All right, so just thinking back, I, I actually went back and listened. I hardly ever listened to myself preach, but I actually went back and listened to myself uh, preach this week. And it was absolutely amazing. Blew my mind. <laughs> no, it did. I, I enjoyed it. That was, that was probably my favorite message I've ever preached in my entire life. I, I loved last Sunday's message. It was about anxiety. And uh, how many of you know God wants us to have peace in our hearts? The peace of God guarding our hearts. How many of you, that helped you last week? My wife, even on the way home or, or Sunday afternoon, she told me that, that it helped her. So I even helped my wife last weekend. I really, I really did. I encourage you, go back and listen to that message if you weren't able to hear that. Uh, especially if you, if you deal, deal with anxiety, fear, torment. Uh, it, it's a message that I think will, will bring you some, some great help and some great hope. Uh, I think... This, I think if my numbers are right, this, is, this will be my 27th message this year out of the book of Philippians. So we, we started in January preaching through. Now, we've taken off a few weeks here and there for some various messages and series. But we've been preaching through the book of Philippians. Next Sunday will be our last installment. Some of you all are probably starting to feel like Fili Filipinos. We've been in Philippians so long. But next Sunday will be my last installment. So I, I want to acknowledge a couple of friends that we have here. So Pastor Rennie and Andrea Allen, would you guys stand? These are longtime friends. We've been friends with them. They've, they've put up with us for almost 20 years. And we love the Allens. They're, they're from Houston, Texas, have pastored there for, for many, many years, uh, involved in pastoral work there. Uh, they're, they're kids. They're like, they're like family to us. So Jazz actually married a guy named DJ who was a part of our church when we pastored in Texas. So Jazz would drive up, once they started dating, it was almost like every weekend she would come and she would stay with us. She'd creep into our house after their date on, on Friday or Saturday night about midnight. Uh, we had a curfew for her, I think, didn't we? <laughs> but uh, so I think it's the one time Rachel actually had a successful matchmaking mission. But uh, anyway, we're glad that they're here. These are great friends of ours, and thank you all for coming to be here today. So... We're going to go to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, and I only have a few, I, want to go, I actually want to drop back and read a few extra verses. We're going to focus in on verses 8 and 9, but let's, let's start to read, I think it's verse 7. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, let's read verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we preached through that last week. I'm not going to preach it today. I just want to read it for some context. So be anxious for nothing. Re reject anxiety. Don't let anxious thoughts into your mind. Right? And we talked about, about some keys. We talked about prayer a little bit. That, that's key, prayer. But we, we talked about rejoicing. It, it, he says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice in, in the preceding verses. And we talked about thanksgiving. And we, we talked about how the anxiety cannot exist in the same room where there's joy and thanksgiving. You start thanking God for everything that he has done. When you start joying in Jesus, anxiety will flee. So that's the sum of, of last week's message. And now in verse 8, where we want to be, Finally, brethren, 
whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, these do. Underline that word, do. And the God of peace, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So I'm going to talk about peace of mind. We talked about peace in the heart last week, and I want to talk about peace of mind. I'm not talking about giving somebody a piece of your mind. I'm talking about having peace in your mind. I know the thought of giving somebody your, your mind is tempting, but it won't do you any good. How many, how many of you know the enemy wants to pull you down into the swamp of anxiety? He wants to bog you down. How many of you have ever been in the swamp of anxiety where you just can't get, you can't get things out of your mind, you can't sleep, maybe you've broken out in cold sweats, you just have worried and worried and worried. I think we've all been there, and it, it's a horrible, horrible place to be. So we talked about a couple of key things that I think can help us to, to deal with anxiety. Re rejoicing, joying, joying in Jesus. Re and and not, just, not just rejoicing about the fact you got a raise or uh, that your wife is beautiful or you know, all, all those good things, but, but joying in Jesus, because all, all those things are temporal. All, all, the, all the things in this world that we, we rejoice about, they're, they're temporal, and eventually they're gonna disappoint us. But when we, when we learn to joy in Jesus, Right? The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. In, in other words, when, when, when your hope is put off or when your hope is not met, you, you can get heart sick. Right? You know how you avoid heart sickness? Put your hope in things that are eternal because they won't disappoint. Right? Your job's going to disappoint you. People are going to disappoint you. Temporal carnal things will always disappoint you. If that's where your hope is, you're going to be disappointed right? But if you learn to joy in Jesus, you'll be all right. So we talked about that, joying in Jesus. And we, we talked about thanksgiving, gratitude, right? Giving thanks to God for everything that you've got, everything that you've got. And so th these are keys, and we're rejecting anxiety. We're not allowing anxiety to come to our mind. But how many of you, it's not enough just to like, I'm not going to think these thoughts. I'm, I'm not going to think these thoughts. I'm not going to think these thoughts. That's not enough. How many of you have ever been there at night? I believe that the, the, the correlation between, between six and seven, eight and nine is, is this. It's saying, hey, you, you're, you're not thinking anxious thoughts. You need to embrace these good thoughts, thoughts of hope, thoughts of joy, thoughts of, of good things. We're going to look a little bit more uh, in detail about that in just a second. But it's not enough just to reject those thoughts. We need to put our thoughts on something else. Our thought life is, is vitally, vitally important. And the King James says that we should think on these things, and it gives a list. We're going to look at that list in just a minute. Think on these things. The CSB says it this way, dwell on these things. And the New King James says to meditate on these things. It's, it's the word logazomai. Logazomai means to reckon inwardly. This is actually an accounting term. I think Steve Manneke, if he studied Greek, would love this word. It, it's an accounting term to, to think about, to take account of, to, to count up or to weigh the reasons 
And it's talking about things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are just, things that are honorable, things that are true, things that are commendable. We, we ought to be counting these things. We ought to be adding these things up. And I think anxiety is just the opposite of that. We're adding up all the negative things that are about to happen to us. We're, we're counting, hey, I, I don't have money to pay that bill. Uh, we're counting, hey, I'm going to have to give an account for what happened at work last week. And so we, we, we are counting and reckoning these things, and that's where anxiety begins to build. But the Apostle Paul is trying to get us to shift. Hey, begin to think about the good things. Begin to change the way that you think. Think on, weigh, take, uh, take account of these things. Fix your mind on them. Think about these things. Think about it. Scripture, all throughout Scripture, we, we see that thinking is important. Thinking is paramount in the Scripture. We, we need to learn to think. We need to train our minds to think. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Uh, we, we need to set our thoughts, is another way to look at this, set our thoughts on these things, meditate on them. Did you know that you could set your thought life? You can set your thought life. You, you can direct your thoughts. You can shift your way of thinking. Think about it this way. There, you, you have a, in, your, in your mind, there, there's a grid and there are pathways, like think of it as city streets, and you know, north and south, east and west, a grid of streets. There's this grid in your mind, and your thoughts travel throughout this grid. What, what are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the economy? Are you thinking about the political climate? Are you uh, thinking about gas prices? Are you thinking about uh, all the things that are going wrong at work? What, what are you thinking about? Have you considered the economy, Pastor? Have you considered politics? Have you considered how awful uh, the moral decay in America is? We're, we're, we're stuck in the trap of thinking on these things. Here's a better, uh, a better for, uh, question for us. Have you, have you ever thought about Paul's situation? The Apostle Paul. You think when he writes this letter, he's in jail? And the book of Philippians is actually considered one of the most hopeful and joyful letters of all the epistles written. He's in jail, and he's telling him, hey, don't think about all the, the negative things. Don't let anxiety grip you. Don't let your heart be uh, in, in the, get, get bogged down into that swamp of fear. Think about the good things of God. He's rejoicing in jail. Think about that mindset. He's under house arrest, and he encourages these people to think about the good things of God. We, we can set, we can fix our thoughts. Whatever you think about is what you're going to think about. It's kind of like what you eat is what you're going to crave, right? If you eat Twinkies and Ding Dongs and Yo-Yos and Moon Pies and Snickers, you're gonna, that's what you're going to crave. You, you know you can retrain your body, your cravings? I didn't know that. I, uh, we, we, we did a, a season, this is going back, uh, what, 2007, I think it was, we, when we were pastoring, we went through this season, a 40-day season of fasting. And I, I did uh, Daniel fast for a period and straight fast all throughout that. It would, I'd break it up in, into portions. And I'm going to tell you, I was a, a, a construction guy. I, I was bivocational, and I, I was on the road, and I would stop at gas stations or jack-in-the-box or, you know, wherever and grab food on the fly. My diet was horrible. It was horrible. 
My wife's amens are too loud right now. And when I got hungry, I I craved a Butterfinger and a Mountain Dew from the gas station. That's what I craved. And we went on this this fast for 40 days where I didn't eat anything in that 40-day window but vegetables, fruits and vegetables. And you know what? After that fast, after we broke that fast about two weeks later, for the first time in my life, I craved celery. I got hungry and celery came into my mind. See, we, we can retrain our minds. Just like we can retrain our, our appetite, we can retrain our minds. If, if, if you want a car, pick your favorite car, like a, a King Ranch. I mean, I, I used to drive these trucks before I got married, and my wife started spending all my money. I, had my, I drove my dream truck before I got married. But I would love one day to be able to get a, a king ranch, and then I have four kids too, right? So, and, and, right? But a, a, a four by four, I mean, leather seats. It's my dream truck. And you, you know what? When we're going down the highway, you know what I notice? Those trucks. Like if you've got a dream car, like, for, for example, my, my buddy Sean Alexander, he's, he's got this Charger. So now, because I've ridden in his car, every time I see one, I, it draws my attention on the highway. Right? Because what we think about, we think about. Right? We, it's like we, we've given our, 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 our mind, our affection to these things, and so we're drawn to them. And literally what happens, there are pathways in your mind, and so you see a certain per- person, and that thought goes down the same path. If, if there's a fence there, then you're, you're going to go back and take a right into the offense file. You've got to learn to retrain your mind towards that person to forgive them so that it goes back into the right, the place of forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? And, and literally, science shows this, that when you have thoughts, when, when, like your favorite food, when you see that, your thought, they, they, they know how to hook up your brain and read the electrodes and the things that are firing in there. And when you see that food, the, the, the thought always takes the same pathway in your mind. We have to retrain our minds. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. And you know, social media has even picked up on this, right? Have, have you ever been shopping for something and then all of a sudden you go to Facebook and they're popping up ads in your Facebook feed? Right? I started golfing at the beginning of this, this summer. I tried to golf every week. It hadn't happened every week, but I've, I've tried this summer to golf every week. And I, I hadn't really played much for 20 years. And when I did that, I began, when I would see things on social media, how many know Reels and Instagram and all that kind of stuff? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Or am I talking to foreigners right now? But the things that were popping up in my feed began to change. Videos about golf began to pop up. You know why? Because I saw one and took interest in it, and Instagram recognized that, and so they begin to send more of those my way. Two things that commonly pop up in my, in my feed. One's golf, and one is skyscrapers. These videos and pictures of these amazing buildings that are being built around the world. Why? Because I have, my, my eye is drawn to those, and I will go and sit there and watch the whole video instead of doing this. I watch the whole video. And so social media has picked up on that. They know my thoughts right? So you see things, you see people, you get into situations and circumstances, and your mind works a certain way. 
but we can set our thoughts. We can set our thoughts. We, 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 have a, we live in a 200-year-old hotel, and we've been renovating that for two years since we, we actually worked on it for months before we moved into it, and I've been working ever since I moved into it. And there are all kinds of projects around my house that are undone. There are floorboards that need to be replaced. There's trim that's missing. I, I built a fireplace, and it's bricked three-quarters of the way up. It's not complete. And, you know, sometimes I wake up, and I'm thinking about all the things that need to get done in my house. And that does not bring me any joy. It brings anxiety. You know, what I, you know what I literally have to start doing? I have to start thinking about the island and the kitchen that's done. I have to start thinking about uh, the, the new front door. Actually, we, we replaced our front door yesterday. I have to start thinking about all of the positive things because the negative things will weigh me down because that means workload for me. We've got to change our minds. We've got to change the way that we think. I, I've learned to do this. I, 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 I talked about last Sunday about the time when I woke up and I just couldn't sleep and I was sweating and all this kind of stuff. That doesn't happen to me often, but I'll tell you what, it, I, I do wake up and I do have the negative thoughts about all the negative things that could possibly happen in my life. And I have to begin to literally force myself to change my thoughts. I, a lot of times I'll pull my phone out and I'll get the word of God out and I'll begin to read the word when those thoughts are there. And then when I shut that phone off, I force myself to meditate on the word, to let that word roll through my mind again and again and again. And I can fall asleep because it brings peace. We have to change our minds. We, we need to be active in our thinking. We need to be uh, fully engaged in our thinking. We need to reason logically according to the word of God, not according to things that we're seeing. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. But we need to engage when it comes to thinking. Not all thinking carries the same weight. Not all thinking carries the same weight. I'll give you an, an example of this. Anybody ever said, well, somebody asks you a question and your, your response is, well, off the top of my head, what does that mean? That means it's a shallow thought. Some of us live there, right? The life of shallow thoughts. Off the top of my head. Well, how about this response? Uh, somebody's talking to you about something, and then you say, from the bottom of my heart, this is the way that I feel. That's deeper thought life. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You know that, that science is actually proving that we think with our hearts. This muscle in our chest is involved in the thought process. Scientists are showing that. They're proving that. Science is bearing that out. That what the Word of God has said for a couple thousand years now is actually a reality that we think with our hearts. And there's a deep place within us that we have thought about things. We, there are things that, we, that, we, that, that are meaningful to us, that we have contemplated, that we have desired. They are in the deep place of our heart. And it, it's a lot more substantive than what just comes off the top of my head. Off the top of my head, that's just a quick answer. I haven't thought about it. I haven't, put any, I haven't invested in anything. This is just my first response, right? We, we need to learn to think deeply. And that's why, man, I'm going to tell you this. We as Christians need to slow our lives down. We need to slow our lives down. We do. We really need to slow our lives down. And we need to begin to do what this passage is telling us to do. There, there's so much anxiety. There are so many things going on around us that are negative, 
Look at what's going on in the public schools. Look at what's going on in politics. Let's look at what's going on with crime. There are so many things negative going on around us. We need a sanctuary. And I think Paul gives it to us right here. In a world of trouble, here's our sanctuary. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellent, and whatever is worthy of praise, think on these things. I like that word whatever. I like the word whatever, because that just gives me a whole lot of liberty. Anything that's true, I can I think about, and the God of peace is going to be with me. Anything that's lovely. That, that could be God, that, that could be the mountainside. It could be my wife. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, I, I, what, in, anything that fits in this category, I can meditate on it. I can think on it, and the God of peace is with me. Think about it. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Paul says to think about all these things. Let me give you an easy way to think about this. If you have a hard time, think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. Because isn't he true? Isn't he honorable? Isn't he just? Isn't he pure and lovely and commendable? Isn't he excellent and isn't he worthy of praise? If you're having a hard time getting your thoughts on the right track, begin to think about Jesus. Begin to think about the goodness of God. Begin to think about how he saved you and he's healed you and he's filled you full of his spirit. He has redeemed your life. He has transformed you. You're not the same old wretch that you used to be, but your character has been shaped and he has made you new. Think about the goodness of God. And all that he has done. Amen? And it'll pull you up out of the pit. Stop thinking about CNN. Stop thinking about Fox News. Stop thinking about all this horrible stuff you're seeing on your social media page. The average American watches four hours of television. I don't know what the stat is for social media. I know that that there are a lot of Americans that spend seven and eight hours a day on social media. And they're anxious, and they're discontented. There's no peace in their life. There's no joy in their life. There's no fulfillment in their life. We need to change our minds. Romans 12, 2 says this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is is literally what I was just talking about. This grid that's up here in your brain You need to retrain your thoughts on which way to travel. This is the renewing of the mind. You see temptation out there, you think about it the same way every time. You need to get a new frame to think about that temptation. You need to get into the word of God and allow God to retrain your mind on how to think about that temptation that's out there. You see some problem that's out there and you always respond the same. Maybe it's to run and hide from that problem. We've we've got to retrain our mind about the way that we think about that. And we do that through how the the Bible talks about the washing of the word of God. the, The word of God washes our minds. It cleanses our thought life. It will change and transform the way that we think about situations in life. If we will camp out in the word of God. Amen.
We need to get off of television. We need to get out of Facebook. We need to get out of the gossip circle, and we need to get into the Word of God. We need to begin to meditate on the Word of God. We need to meditate upon Scripture. There's a blessing in that. There's a blessing in that. It's not, a, it's not in my notes, but let's, let's, I'm going to read this. Let's go read Psalm 1. Let's read Psalm 1. Psalm 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Get in the word. Meditate on the word of God. Meditate on the word of God. There's all kinds of wisdom out there. There's all kinds of cute and clever cliches. There's all kinds of self-help books and all kinds of things that you can read that may bring some kind of slight improvement to your life. But I'm going to tell you what, there is nothing like the blessedness of meditating on the word of God. There's an old story about, uh, about a, a Jewish rabbi and his nephew came to him and he said, Uncle, I'm going to go study Greek philosophy. And he quoted this, this psalm to him. Blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the ungodly, sits in the seat of the scornful, stands in the way of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night, day and night. He quoted that to his nephew, and he said, Nephew, show me a time that is, that is neither day or night, and then go study your Greek philosophy. There's a wisdom that's of this earth, and it is sensual and carnal, and the Bible says in James, devilish. On the surface, it seems like wisdom, but it's in reality deception. Get into the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night. And look at what verse 3 says. You will be a blessed person. You will bear fruit. If you meditate on God's Word, you'll bear fruit in every season. If you meditate on God's Word, everything you put your hand to will prosper. If you meditate on God's Word, your leaf will not wither. Amen? Meditate on the Word of God. It's the, it's the most important advice that I could give to anybody. Get into the scripture. Get into the Bible. Learn to read and study the word of God. It will change and transform everything about your life. Become a student of the word of God. Become a lover of the word of God. Devour. Do what the angel told John. Eat the book. Consume it. Get an appetite. It will, like, like, like what happened to me with, with my burritos and Butterfingers and all the stuff that I used to eat, when I, when I begin to change my diet, my appetites begin. And when you begin to feast on the Word of God, your spiritual appetite will be transformed. We, we need to go on a, on a, a fear de detox, a negativity fast, right? 
Anybody want to fast anxiety and fear and negativity and condemnation? That's what we need. How, how do we do that? Think on these things. If you'll, if you'll meditate on the good things of God, you will starve your anxiety and fear. You will starve out all those other things. And your desire for them, your, your appetite for them will, will dissipate. You can literally change and transform the way that you think. Another passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. It says, though we walk in the flesh, we, do not, uh, we, we, do not, we, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that, raised against, that is raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. The battle's in the mind. When it talks about destroying the strongholds of the enemy, it's in your mind. The enemy has a stronghold. It's those pathways that have been burnt into your mind that whenever you see a situation, immediately you are gripped with fear. Whenever you see a person, immediately offense and unforgiveness. Right? These are the strongholds, the enemy. Paul, Paul actually says this in Corinthians. He, he, he tells them, he encourages the Corinthian church to forgive someone. And he says this, you need to forgive them. Least Satan gets a stronghold. See, when we hold the fence, there's a stronghold. And literally what that word stronghold means in, in that translation is there's a place where he can get his foot up and get a leg up over you. See, the enemy has many of you captive because you refuse to forgive people. Because you're holding on to offenses, things that happened to you 40 years ago, and you refuse to let it go. And so the enemy has a leg up on you. Retrain your mind. Allow the Holy Spirit to come, the Word of God to come, and wash your mind and change the way that you think about that person that offended you, that situation that hurts you, that obstacle that you're facing, the temptation that has come. We need these strongholds that are in our minds. Some of you have sexual strongholds or greed strongholds in your mind, a way of thinking about things that needs to be destroyed by the weapons of God. One of these weapons is this passage of Scripture that we're studying today. It is an anxiety detox. It is a fear detox. It's a retraining of your mind that will see the strongholds, the pathways that the enemy uses in your mind destroyed, obliterated, taken out. We can put every toxic thought on trial against the word of God and demolish it. That's what this passage of Scripture is telling us. We can have victory in our thought life. We need to take a negativity fast. Feast on what you feed yourself. Start eating different food. Start thinking different thoughts. Retrain your mind so that it lines up with the mind of Christ. Amen? We have the mind of Christ. Use it. Put your thinking cap on. Set your thoughts 
reshape the grid of your thought life. New patterns, new ways of thinking about things. That's what this book does. You've got a worldview that is tainted by this world system and you're thinking according, hey, the world holds grudges. The world goes after temptation with everything that they've got. That's what the world does and that's the way your mind has been programmed. This will reprogram your mind. This will change your thoughts. This will give you a new outlook. Two more thoughts and we're done. Again, we're not landing, we're just on descent. He talks about doing. The things that you have seen of me, the things you have heard from me, these things do. Right there in our text, in, in James chapter 4, verse 9. The things that you've seen, the things that you've heard, what I'm talking about right here, the things, these things do. See, it's not enough just to think about it. We need to be about it. Could, could, this passage could be titled, Think and Do. Think a different way and then act accordingly. You know your thoughts direct your life? That's what that, that passage is talking about when it says uh, that, that out of the abundance of the, the heart, the mouth, the mouth speaks. Guard your heart because out of it uh, come literally uh, the, 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 the way that it comes literally the way that you live. The course of your life would, would, would literally be the way it translates. Guard your heart because the course of your life proceeds forth from it. We've got to guard our heart, our, our, our thought life, the, the way we view the world, the way that we think. We've got to guard that because it's going to ultimately determine how we're going to live. We've got to guard it. In, in other words, we, we need to pr protect our thought life so that we think the thoughts of God. That we don't allow the enemy to creep in and sow thoughts into our minds that are contrary to the ways of God. That's what it's telling us to do. Because the way that we think is the, the way that we're going to live our lives. James, in James chapter 1, verse 22, he says this. James 1, verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. This, this last phrase is important. Deceiving yourselves. Every one of you has an opportunity this, this afternoon to walk out of this building and deceive yourselves. Wow, that was a, yeah, I really enjoyed that word about anxiety and fear, and I'm not gonna, not gonna battle that anymore. But you go to bed tonight and you can't go to sleep. What's, what's happening? You're deceiving yourself. Why, why do Christians continue to practice sin? It's because somewhere along the way we have allowed ourselves to be deceived. Really, we haven't even allowed ourselves to be deceived. We have deceived ourselves. How does self-deception happen? It, it, it tells us right here in this verse. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because if we just hear the word and we don't do it, we deceive ourselves. That's, that's how we get to a place, a world that we live in today where Christians wholeheartedly embracing sinful lifestyles. Things that are absolutely 100% contrary to the ways of the Lord and we have Christians that are embracing it and not only embracing it, endorsing it and encouraging it. How do we get to that place? It's because when, when, the, when the truth came to us, we heard it, but we rejected it and didn't live it. 
do it. We have to do it. Don't just be a, a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, verse 23 says, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man that he was. But he, 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 he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and it's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say unto you, rejoice. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, the peace of God will guard your heart. Then he says, think on these things. He gives us the list, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is praiseworthy. He gives this, this list, and he says, think on these things. And after he's given this instruction, reject anxiety, pray, rejoice, give thanksgiving, think on these things. In verse 9, he admonishes them, what, what I've been telling you and what you've seen me do, and he, he is literally doing it. He's, he's rejoicing from jail. He's modeling it to them. Paul modeled everything that he taught. He says, the things that I've exhorted you, the things that you have seen me do, you need to do yourselves. This is Pastor Paul, the man who founded the church, the, a father to this church, the Philippian church, who's in, who's in some kind of conflict, why are they in conflict? We talked a little bit last week because of their anxiety. We talked last week about how that word anxiety, it, it means to look out for your own interests. Anxiety is you laying up at bed, figuring out, plotting the course of how you're going to get your need met. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and maybe it'll work out all right. That's a picture, a true picture of anxiety. You're turning over on your bed like a hinge, figuring out how you're going to fix the problem that you have absolutely no power to fix. That's anxiety. And that's what's going on in this little church at Philippi. Yodi and Syntyche advancing agendas so their needs will get met. And Paul says, stop it. Don't be anxious for your own needs. Put the needs of others in front of you. This is the example that I've set for you. Look at Timothy. He, he also models this. He's not concerned about his own needs. Look at Epaphroditus. He's not concerned about himself either. He put his own life on the line for the gospel. And ultimately, look at Jesus, who humbled himself wasn't thinking about himself. He wasn't thinking about his needs, but he humbled himself and became obedient. And if you'll do this, anxiety will dissipate. You'll have peace, the peace of God guarding your heart. And if you've got peace in your heart, you'll have peace in the camp. The things that I've taught you, the things that I have modeled for you, do it. And the God of peace will be with you.
Have you ever been to church and thought, man, where is the God of peace? No, nobody goes to church to see a fight. Right, we got enough fights in our neighborhood, enough fights in our homes. Nobody, nobody comes to church for a good fight between the, the deacons and the elders. For my, my wife could tell you a story that where, where you pastor attacked her dad in the lobby of the church. Nobody comes to church to see that. It's supposed to be a place of peace. And that's what Paul's encouraging through this letter. The God of peace will be with you if you'll do these things. The God who dwells in light. He lives in light. And this God of peace, he will be with you. And you won't have to worry about trying to figure out your own needs because the promise of this book, Philippians, my God, we're going to get to it next week, shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. You know, that's why you don't have to be anxious. God's got it. How many of you have a bank account big enough to take care of your problems? Not one of us in this room. Not one of us. God will supply our needs according to his riches and glory. God's got an account that every time he makes a transaction, he is never diminished. God's got us. So stop fighting. Stop being anxious. And meditate on the good things of God. Let the peace of God guard your heart. And the greater, heavier, weightier one, the peace of God himself will be with you. It's beautiful. Let's stand together. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just lift up every person in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice, anybody who's watching online. Father, I pray that today is the day, Lord, that you break the back of anxiety and fear for anyone that's wrestling with it. Father, I, I, I believe you can come and bring peace to any situation. Even when the circumstance doesn't change, you can step in and bring peace. Even when the obstacles are still in the way, the problems are still there, you can bring peace. Father, I pray that in every one of us, our faith would grow, that we would have a confidence in who you are. Lord, you truly are good. Your intentions toward us, everyone is good. Your plan for us is good. You're a God who causes everything to work together for our good. Lord, may we really, truly, and deeply come to trust you. Lord, I, I pray that everyone in this room, Lord, that today would be the end of anxiety. Today would be the end of worry. Today would be the end of fear, Lord God. Father, that we move forward from this day forward, trusting you, 
believing you are who you are, who you say you are, and you can do what you say you can do. Father, there are many promises in your word, and every one of them are true. And Lord, they point to your character. They point to your goodness. They point to your greatness. They point to your power. They point to your authority. Father, we look to you. Forgive us for looking to other things. Forgive us for trying to work things out on our own, in our own ways, by our own means. Lord, can we truly learn to be a people that walk in your spirit, that walk in your authority, that walk in your power? Lord, can you make us a people that have access, that can, we, we truly access the mind of Christ I believe this, God wants to elevate our perspective. He wants to elevate your perspective. The Bible says he's made you to sit, made us to sit together in heavenly places. If all you see is all the negative things that are going on, here's where you're living. You're living down here. God wants to elevate your perspective. That's why it's important that we pray, church. It's important that we, as a congregation, as a body, that we have prayer as an anchor, as a foundation, as, as a core value, as a main activity in our church life. We've got to have prayer. But you need to pray. You need a prayer life. There are two things that the enemy wants to do. He wants to keep you out of the word, and he wants to keep you away from prayer. Our enemy hates prayer. You know why? Because prayer elevates you above his lies. It allows you to see as God sees. It allows us to access the mind of Christ. That's, prayer does that. You know, we can, we can find the heart of God. We can find the mind of Christ in prayer. We can know what, what God is doing in a situation, in a circumstance. How many of you have ever been in a situation that was miserable and crummy, but you knew that you were going to come out of it? Once you see that hope that there's a way of escape, your perspective changes, doesn't it? The anxiety goes, because I, I'm about to be done with this here in a couple of days, right? So that's, that's what prayer does. God lifts us to see what he's up to. He gives us his vantage point. Our circumstances may not ever change, but we see what God's up to, and it gives us a hope. It gives us an understanding. Church, I want to I compel you. Get to praying. Get to seeking the face of God. Don't lay up worrying. Don't, don't sit around your house fretting and contemplating and plotting your way that's not going to work. Learn to pray. Learn to pray. Listen, if you need ministry, I want you to come down to this altar. If you need salvation, come. If you need deliverance, come. If your mind is tormented, come. If you need anything from the Lord, come down to this altar. I want to pray with you. I'm going to dismiss. But if you need ministry, come down to this altar. God bless each and every one of you. We love you. We look forward to seeing you. Wednesday night, we're here for prayer. 
Hope to see you next Sunday. God bless you. We love you.